Welcome to the Motor City Hoops Podcast, your home for all things Detroit Pistons and NBA. Thank you for choosing Motor City Hoops, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, Hoopheads, once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads Podcast Network for even more great basketball content. Hello and welcome to episode 56 of the Motor City Hoops podcast. As always, I want to encourage you to go and check out any previous episodes you may have missed after you've finished this one. At Pistons Thoughts, Jordan Letterman and I had an incredible time on episode 55, breaking down the first two preseason games and the storylines it created for the upcoming season. But first, you're going to want to stay with this episode as I am joined by an absolutely incredible guest today, returning for his second appearance on the Motor City Hoops podcast, James Edwards III, Detroit Pistons beat writer for The Athletic, co-host of the number one Pistons podcast, The Bun and Cardigan Show, and just an all-around great basketball mind in person. James, welcome back to the podcast, and thank you for joining me. Man, appreciate you having me on. You've uh, you've been on a, a quite quite the heater the last few weeks, last few months. You've been you've been killing it, man. I'm glad that uh, I'm happy that you wanted me back on for the second time around. No, absolutely. And I, it's greatly appreciated for you to come on. Um, it means a lot that you make the time for Motor City Hoops. So um, go ahead. No, just say, of course, man, anything. Before we get going, I want to remind everyone to sign up for the Clubhouse app and join the Motor City Hoops Club. First event will be Tuesday the 19th at 8 p.m. Eastern. And I also want to thank and welcome Wes Davenport to the Motor City Hoops podcast. He's going to be helping me out with pre- and post-show content and a major contributor to what we have going on here. He played a major role in the great topics we have on today's episode as I'm going to get James's thoughts on the final two preseason games and one final preview of the upcoming season. Also ask him about some of the leadership, the vet, have been giving the young guys and also excited to ask him a question about being a beat writer in general and the interactions he gets to have with players coaches and front office but first let's go back to Wednesday the 13th in the third preseason game versus the Knicks James the Pistons lost but looked better than Monday night Um, what were your overall thoughts on this game from the Knicks or excuse me from the Pistons versus the Knicks yeah I'm trying to recall Um, that was what 108 100 was that the final? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I thought the defense was good um, in spurts. It was – I mean, the Knicks offensively, it's preseason one. They're still – they've obviously added pieces in Evan Fournier. Um, Kemba Walker didn't play. Uh, not the most offensively gifted team, but they were they're, – they're better, I'd say, than last year, and they were trying to work out some kinks. But I thought the Pistons' defense was pretty solid. Um, offensively, I thought Josh Jackson continued to sh- have – a really solid preseason which he he carried into game four um jeremy grant another guy who was just quietly had a really really good preseason i don't even know if i'd say quietly but he people everybody's just so interested in the young guys that they're kind of overlooking um just how a little bit more comfortable he looks and yeah i thought it was uh it was one of their better performances this preseason um i thought game four was a little bit better but they definitely uh bounce back how you want to see them I think they got a lot more 50-50 balls they rebounded better um they look they look much better than they did uh two nights before that in Memphis absolutely so Josh Jackson is a guy that I think has been talked about a lot because of his preseason so can you speak to like just what you've seen or maybe what the team is talking about in terms of his growth I know we have the quote from Dwayne Casey on seems like he's making better decisions with the ball in his hands I think we've seen that but uh, you know, a big year for him, a contract year for him, his second year in Detroit. What have you seen or what have you heard? What are, what are they most happy with with Josh Jackson and the Pistons? Yeah, it is the decision making. And I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the assist to turnover ratio was really, really good. Um, of course, it's, it's it's in his nature. It's his game. He's he's naturally a, a score first guard. So you're still going to see some of the, I think, the higher amount of threes than people want to see for his percentage of shooting. Uh, but I would say he's turned down 
tune down, turn down a lot of the turnovers just by simply making the right read and the right pass and not necessarily getting tunnel vision and, and trying to attack a, a basket that has two guys waiting in front of it. I, I think he's just made his game a little bit more efficient. That's It's baby steps. I think he's uh, – we've talked about it many times. He's super talented. Um, there's times when he can get hot and look like the best player on the floor, and then there's times where you wonder where he's at for a few games. But um, I think if he continues this, this decision-making and – Simple, making the simple pass and making the right read, I think that keeps him on the floor even when he's not scoring. I think previous, last year, if he wasn't scoring and um, playing defense to his best of his ability, there was there was no reason for Dwayne to play him. But now if he can continue to play defense and even if he's not scoring the ball, he can fall back on making the right read and the right pass. And I think that'll keep him on the floor. Absolutely. And with his athleticism and where he he can get to the spots, it was really just about making the right decisions when he got there. So as we talk about Josh Jackson, I want to reference an article you wrote for The Athletic and you kind of gave your prediction for the starting lineup and the bench lineup. And in your depth chart, you know, that wing battle, the second unit wing battle has really been a hot topic between Josh Jackson, Frank Jackson and Hamadou Diallo. I did notice that you had Hamadou Diallo as the odd man out to start. You know, he was the third person in the two in the depth chart, but at shooting guard and small forward is that just you know is that how you think the season obviously that's how you think the season is going to start is that based off preseason um do you think you know Josh Jackson surprised or Hamadou Diallo hasn't played as well in preseason or was this kind of the plan all along yeah I mean I think I don't think it, it was the plan all along I think Dwayne genuinely had rolled the ball out and told three guys to go get it and two of them got to share it and now Diallo might play to start the year, depending on how these injuries are. Like if Cade and Sadiq uh, can't go the first game of the year, second game of the year, or whatever it is, then of course you're going to see Hamadou in the rotation. That that prediction was more so when everybody's healthy. Um, I think, but in terms of Josh and Frank kind of leading the battle there, I think simply they've just had, I don't think Hamadou's had a terrible preseason. I just think the other two have been better. Um, Frank, obviously as you know provides spacing provides shooting provides scoring and Dwayne likes his defense when when he's out there the team's better defensively and the same goes for Josh Josh is a good defender if Josh is going to continue to make reads and passes like he has this preseason um, to couple with his ability to to get you a tough bucket like he's going to be on the floor Um, and even after the, the the final preseason game Dwayne unprompted came out and said Josh is in our rotation we'll have to figure out where and how we're going to use him but he's in our rotation so there's one and I just think Frank has had it since coming back from the ankle injury um, I think Frank has been very very solid um, grabbing rebounds scoring the ball shooting the ball uh, I just think that those two have had better showings uh, than Hamadou Diallo in the instances that we've been able to see I agree. And I, as people know that listen to the podcast, I'm huge on Hamadou Diallo. But I, I think based off what we saw in the preseason, at least, I think, like you said, those guys, it's not like Hami's not going to get his chances at some point, whether it's because of injuries or or just, you know, Dwayne Casey deciding to give him a chance in minutes here and there. But, you know, if it's just a true 10-man rotation, I think we could see those two guys on the wings. You know, a lot of talk about injuries. I have to ask, you know, Cade Cunningham, uh, you know, I don't know how much you can tell me or tell us and the listeners, but when... Can you tell us any idea of when we should expect to see Kate Cunningham? Do you think we're going to see him Wednesday night in the season opener? Is it still very much in the air? What What are your thoughts and takes on that? Yeah, I would say it's still very much in the air. Um, maybe we'll have a little bit more clarity. Uh, as I told you, I got to head over to practice here and within the hour, and maybe we'll learn that he practiced. But Dwayne said he wants him to practice close to a handful of times before he can play. He hasn't practiced yet, to our knowledge. They had Saturday off and played Friday, and he hadn't practiced up to that point. Uh, so maybe if he started that on Sunday, there's a possibility he could play for the season opener. Um, my hunch is he probably won't play in the season opener. That's not based on anything. That's just kind of um, based on the pace in which they are letting him recover and heal. Um, but you never know. So I think there will be a little bit more clarity. If he didn't practice today – um, Sunday, I'd be I'd be surprised if he was able to go on Wednesday. 
It's, it's what about Sadiq Bay and Killian Hayes then? You know, those, you know, I think Killian Hayes in concussion protocol. Sadiq Bay has, or was in concussion protocol at least. Maybe he's already made it out. But uh, what, what are your thoughts? Or, and again, I know you're getting ready to go to practice and find out a lot more. But, you know, would those guys seem to be trending in the right direction for Wednesday as far as you know right now? My guess is Killian would be good to go. Um, he entered concussion protocol after the Memphis game. It'll be more than a week uh, before the season starts. I think he'll be good to go. I, I'd be surprised if he didn't practice Sunday or Monday. Um, as for Sadiq, it, again, it kind of sounds like they're going to take their time with him. Um, uh, yeah, like I said, it'd be, there'd be more clarity if he was able to, if I knew if he was practiced on Sunday. But um, uh, he, he's another one. They said they're not, Dwayne's come out and said they're not going to rush him. So um, I, I think Killian and Sadiq, for my personal opinion, are more likely than Cade for opening night. Uh, but I don't know. Of course, I don't know that for sure. They've been they've been pretty tight-lipped about all that. Absolutely, and understandably so. A, a couple other guys that we haven't seen, we didn't see them in summer league, haven't, you know, coming off injuries in college. I just want to get maybe some updates if you have any. And that's Isaiah Livers, the second-round pick out of Michigan. Chris Smith, the undrafted free agent out of UCLA. Livers with the foot, Chris Smith with the knee. Any ideas, James, or a time frame that you could give the listeners on when, obviously not with the Pistons most likely, but even with the Motor City Crews for either of those guys? Yeah, I think Livers has told us that November 1st is the date he's talking about for starting practice again. He hasn't been practicing. Um, he hasn't been doing anything on that foot. But I, I believe he told us November 1st is the day that he's allowed to, to start practicing and, and, do, and, be, and do court stuff. Uh, I think Chris Smith, to my knowledge, is a few, at least another month or two away. I don't think he's, he's close. But I think you'll see livers and hear about livers and maybe see clips of livers doing practice stuff uh, within the next few weeks. Awesome. So I want to circle back because I've done I've been really bad. You mentioned Jeremy Grant, and how nobody's talking about him. And it kind of just hit me a couple weeks ago that I spent a whole offseason talking about the Pistons on a podcast and, and very rarely mentioned the team's returning leading score. So I want to circle back to Friday's preseason win, 112-108 over the Sixers. But really just about Jeremy Grant. I thought he looked really good. You know, you can use the, the coach talk or whatever, regular season form, however you want to say it. But like you said, through all of preseason, like was there something specific that impressed you the most? most about Jeremy Grant, anything he had added to his game, or just that he did look ready to go right from the first preseason game? Yeah, I think he just looked more comfortable. I think he he felt more comfortable in his skin. He felt more comfortable in his role on the team. Um, I asked him after the final preseason game, what's the difference between Jeremy Grant now and Jeremy Grant this time last year, if, if there is one? And he said, knowing, knowing my spots, knowing where to get, knowing what to do, um, there's just a comfortability there and it, he's a long rangy athletic guy he can get to the rim finish in, in weird ways he can shoot uh, it's just a guy who looks like he's, he's comfortable in the role that he's in he had a year of experience to to learn what it was like to have that high of a usage and um, he's coming back now more confident and he's coming back um, with the USA experience so I'm sure he picked up some knowledge from being around those guys and, and some of those coaches so it's, yeah, it's a guy that's, I mean, we talk about development a lot with this team, but we don't really mention it with Jeremy, but I mean, he is still young in a new role um, and he's still figuring things out. And I think he, he's he's going to turn another corner this year in terms of, um, I think, his efficiency, um, even his decision making. You saw bits and pieces of improved decision making and the way he would operate when defenses were scrambling. Um I think I think you're going to see a better, Jer even better Jeremy Grant this year. Yeah, I agree. I think that's one thing I've kind of watched is he's another guy. I feel like he can get to his spots, but you know, when he gets to the rim, is he able to finish? Is he able to take on contact and get to the free throw line? That's one thing I really want to see is you know your, your number one scorer, whatever you want to call him, your your number one option. How often do they get to the free throw line? And then does he make? Can he make those passes to open teammates? Because we saw even in the preseason him getting double teamed a lot, second guys running at him, so making those decisions. And I, I want to kind of pivot here a little bit, James, and I want to talk about veteran leadership on this team and this kind of stems from the fan base not necessarily or the ones I interact with or see not necessarily loving that we brought guys back like 
Corey Joseph and Rodney Magruder. So you get to be around the team and get quotes and see interactions. Do you have any examples or anything specific of interactions you've noticed or quotes from the younger guys of those guys, even a Jeremy Grant, who while young is still kind of a vet on this team, Kelly Olynyk, that's helped some of the younger players, the first or second year players in their development. Yeah, I mean, Corey Joseph is a guy that guys just naturally get gravitate toward. He's he's a funny guy, um, experienced guy, nice guy to be around. So the young players just naturally gravitate toward him. Killian's talked about how just his influence and knowledge has, has helped him. Um, same for Sabin. Kelly Olenek, Dwayne said recently that he's been the most vocal of anybody in camp. Um, and that's a guy who's obviously new to the team new to the city and he told us one of the reasons he wanted to come to Detroit was he feels like he's in a point in his career where he has knowledge and wants to pass it on so when Dwayne said that it, it kind of people always are like well he's just saying that because the cameras are on the reason he really came is because the money well yeah of course the money but I mean if he's also being the most vocal guy in camp it's it's pretty clear that he, he does want to offer up what his experiences and his and his wisdom to to the young guys so um, it sounds like he's been, really been in the forefront of that uh, Ronnie Magruder's a guy, again, that people just respect. Him and Cade, I've seen him and Cade do shooting drills after practice. I've seen Cade and Corey Joseph do shooting drills and, and shooting competitions after practice. So uh, these young guys are are attaching themselves to older vets, and they're just building a relationship and just have somebody to lean on who has those experiences and, and might be able to answer some questions um, as they prepare to go through a, a, a tough season at such young ages. Yeah, and that's, I mean, there's 15 spots on the roster, plus the two two-ways. I, I just feel like there's definitely, you know, you just talked about the value for those guys, and there's definitely spots on the roster. You can't just fill out the roster, even in a restoration with all young guys. They need some of that guidance to help them grow and learn the ropes and, and do things the right way. Another guy that I guess, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, that I guess hadn't necessarily been maybe he'd been around the organization but not in official capacity I don't know how much he was around but it's Ben Wallace I know that's something that really excited Pistons fan how noticeable is he around you know practices in the organization compared to to before is there definitely a noticeable bigger presence with him and are there any specific players that he kind of has gravitated for I know you know the the answer most Pistons fans probably want is Isaiah Stewart but you know, because of some of the comparisons there, but have you noticed it with Isaiah Stewart or anybody else? And how just noticeable is he around the organization um, compared to before? Um, I would say, so we don't get to see everything. We don't really get into the gym until they're done with practice. And I've only seen Ben in the practice gym, not saying that he's not there um, or he's somewhere walking around, not, not to say that. I've only seen him in there the first two or three days of camp. Um, and he was working with Isaiah, showing him post-defense moves, working with Kelly and Luca Garza. Um, he was at uh, the home game. Not Who was the home game before Memphis? Uh, San Antonio. He was at the San Antonio game, the first one. Um, I mean, he's been at games in the past. He's been around, just obviously with his Grand Rapids Drive affiliation and, and part ownership. Um, I yeah, I'm curious to see what exactly his role is. I, I mean, I, I know he still lives in Michigan. He's he's around. He's got great relationships with people in the organization. Um, they obviously hired him to to, to be around more. Um, I yeah, I think he's. I think as the season plays out, we'll see him around more. I'd just say right now he hasn't. I have I haven't seen him with my own two eyes outside of um, the first preseason game and uh, two or three practices at the start of camp. I was going to say, so what about the actual games? Because as the listeners know, I don't live in Detroit, so I haven't been to a game. So like before games, he's around, not necessarily on the court, but he's there kind of with the the organization or the the coaching staff. You know, does he sit behind the bench there or where was he in that Um, preseason? Actually, he was he was like sitting there as like a fan. Like he had like he was sitting like two rows ahead of me. We sit we sit near the floor. Uh, me and the other beat writers who travel, and he was probably like two rows up, pretty close to the floor, sitting there as like a fan. Yeah, he usually sits very close to the floor. Um, so yeah, he's not out there like with uh, team issued gear on, working guys out or anything like that. He was he was there observing and watching and in the midst in the mix of uh, native Detroiters. Another one, and you may not be able to answer this question um, based off kind of how you answered the previous question, but John Beeline, another, all of a sudden this came up again. Um, for whatever reason, it, it, well, I, I know why, because of what happened in Cleveland, but it kind of gets Pistons fans stirred up a little bit. 
Can you give any more perspective on what his actual role is? And, and like you just said, you don't actually get to watch practice, so maybe you, you may not be able to answer this, but is your understanding that, like, is he out there on the court working with players, you know, like, you know, move, you know, or is it more of like in the offices, okay, this is the goals for them, this is what we need to do, and just kind of outlining those workouts? No, he's out on the floor. Um, I don't know Pistons fans are how familiar. I wrote a story on this guy, Tim Gergerich, who is like the godfather of player development. He was with Dwayne Casey his first couple of years. He was there up until COVID hit. Um, and Beeline's kind of taken on that role, just if I had to draw comparisons for people who are familiar with Gergerich. And you can check out my story, The Yoda of the NBA, if you want to learn more about Gergerich. Um but Beeline's kind of overtaken that role where, I mean, I, I get to the arena early and watch guys shoot around and do their, their warm-ups, and Beeline's always out on the floor looking at guys' feet, looking at guys, shooting motions, um, observing, helping them, uh, telling them to move their uh, feet inward, feet out, just doing technical shooting stuff um, as they warm up. Um, whenever we get into the practice gym, he's around, walking around, observing, uh, working with certain guys. Uh, I know him and Josh Jackson work pretty closely this summer. Um, so, yeah, he's definitely around. I would say if I had to uh, explain it in his role for the novices, it's kind of like a, the player development czar where he's just kind of w- walking around, observing, uh, giving pointers, giving tips here and there. Um, and I, I believe they do – Dwayne said that they do – like there's part of practice where it's just all fundamentals. And I think Beeline – I don't know if he runs that portion of practice, but I think he's heavily involved in that portion of practice, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, so pretty good presence there on the practice core and working with those guys. So Nice. Okay. So again, just to kind of pivot to a completely different, well, it's it's about player development a little bit. So I want to go through just a few players, James, and we only have James for about another 10 minutes. We kind of got a uh, curveball thrown at us this morning. So we get yeah, him for I'm another time. So no, no, it's all good. I appreciate you still making time. But so we're, I, I'm going to try to go, th- not necessarily quick, but we're, we're running up against it. And I want to, I don't want to hold him too long, but just a few players, like I'm going to kind of give you a sentence and I just want to give, see what your answer is. So it's kind of about development or what these players show improvement wise throughout the season so we've talked a lot about Jeremy Grant but James if Jeremy Grant if I tell you Jeremy Grant is an all-star it's because blank what changed in his game or what elevated in his game or or just in general what changed if Jeremy Grant is an all-star this year it's because of what uh I think he's a little more unique I think he's an all-star if the Pistons are are in the uh, the playoffs sure yeah I think that's the big thing for him um I think he, his numbers, I think his efficiency is going to improve, and I think that'll help him. Uh, but I think first and foremost for a guy like that, I think his team has to have a little bit more success uh, for him to get his all-star nod. And I think if they do have more success, he's a big, big reason why. No, I agree. As I was kind of asking it right there, whenever I typed it out, I didn't really think of that being the answer. But as I was asking it, I was like, this is going to be if the Pistons have more success, you know, like if the NBA takes more notice. Exactly. All right. If, if we think Killian is point guard of the future by the end of the season, it's because he showed what? I mean, to me, and this is my opinion, he's got to be able to show some growth in his scoring, um, whether that's getting to the hole more regularly and being able to finish, whether that's getting to the free throw line more, um, whether that's improved shooting, which I, I don't anticipate to happen. That's just a young guy still figuring it out. Uh, you that stuff usually takes time but it, I mean he's a big kid he definitely could get to the rim a little bit more he definitely could draw more contact um, I think he has to show improvements great improvements in one of those two I, I mean I think the passing's there he has to limit the turnovers of course uh, the passing's there I think there's potential defensively uh, but the biggest thing for me is he's got to in today's NBA you got to be able to score the ball I agree. I think in it, to me, the, the three-point shooting is one thing. I think it'll be maybe a couple years down the road, but really like to see him develop that stuff around the rim, you, you know, finishing, shooting the little teardrop, getting to the free throw line again, whatever it is, but completely agree there. If JJ, Josh Jackson, is here long-term or gets a second contract with the Pistons, again, a guy we talked about earlier, so we, you may have already answered this, but if he gets a second contract to come back next season, it's because he showed what in development this season. Yeah, he's averaging four to five assists and and one to one and a half turnovers. Um, I think that's a big thing. They know he can put the ball in the basket. They know he can defend. Um, they they need to see that that maturity as a basketball player, that that growth and understanding to making the simple play, making the right read, not forcing things as often as he used to in the past. 
Um, I think that's the biggest thing. I, 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 to me, that's the one thing Dwayne, when he talks about Josh, talks about the most is the decision making um, in the preseason. It's been it's been very good, uh, but I, he was really good last preseason, and then he was very shot heavy in the regular season. So we'll see if that continues. It does seem like he's transformed a little bit in terms of his game and his approach to the game. Uh, but it's still so early. Like we haven't, yeah, regular season hasn't even started. So we're, we're, that's something to monitor. I agree. You know, the decision making huge with Josh Jackson. Hopefully, he can carry it over. If uh, by season's end we think Luca Garza, probably the most talked about piston here over the last month. If by the end of the season we're going, he is going to be an NBA player, it's because he's shown what in his game. And maybe it's from time with Motor City Crews. But what what development or what does Luca Garza have to show for us to say he's going to be an NBA player? Yeah, I think it's it's the defense. He's got to show that he can he can defend. Um, that his slow feet aren't aren't going to hinder him on that end. Um, be able to step out, hedge, step out, and um, interrupt shot. Be a be a shot disruptor. Um, just be able to move his feet and and at least be a uh, a nuisance to somebody coming at him, whether quicker or or more explosive. Uh, I think he's just it's it's the defensive end for him. He's just got to be able to show that he can move his feet or that his slow feet aren't gonna hinder him from being a a, a capable. I, I mean, I even think as long as he's a slightly below average defender, I think he might be able to stick. He just can't be a, a, atrocious defensively. I agree, and I've said that before that he, I don't think he's ever going to get to neutral, James. I don't know what you no. think. I don't think he's ever defensively, but the offense is going to be good enough. It looks like. If he can kind of develop a, a to become a really good defensive rebounder, you know, hold his weight there, and then a, a good passer, like that's that might be one of the questions I have more about him. Like, is he going to be able to make the passes in the short roll, and if he gets double teamed yeah. or something like that, like be a really good ball, you know, ball distributor. Um, that's what will be interesting to me because I don't think the defense is ever going to quite get to where it's even neutral. So, last one of these. If by the season's end, Isaiah Stewart, we think he's the long-term answer at center, what did we see from Isaiah Stewart this season? Great question. Um, I think a lot of the things he does... So the only thing to me that really hinders Isaiah, like I'm, I'm confident he's going to be able to shoot the ball. I think once he has to put the ball on the floor because people respect his jumper, I think he's going to be able to make the right read. Defensively, I think he has a ton of potential. Um, I think for him, it's whether or not his athleticism, his lack of athleticism hinders him as a rim protector. Um, I think he has obviously has long arms, um, gets a second, a quick second jump. Uh, but I do wonder if they look at that and like, he's not the biggest center. He's not the greatest leaper. Is this a guy that, that we can start for 10 years? Um, I think the answer will be yes. I think eventually everything else that he does is going to prove to be more valuable than how high he can jump. And I think he's going to only get smarter and more instinctual defensively. Um, but I think a lot of the stuff, the questions you have about, about Isaiah is more like physical stuff that I'm not sure you can actually, um, I mean, I guess you can train and jump higher but some guys I mean you're just physically gifted you're athletically gifted or you're not and he's not like a I'm not saying he's not athletically gifted but he's not as you know he's not a great leaper um so I think that's probably the only question is like do they look at that and be like I don't I think this is a overqualified backup big instead of a um, a really good starter but I don't think that'll be the case I think he'll prove to be a, a good starter in the NBA for a long time so you brought up the, and I agree with the rim protection, but you also kind of brought up the offensive game with the shot, again, you know, being able to go off the bounce. So my question, James, is I don't feel like we've seen that in the preseason from him, like that that development. I didn't think his shot looked as smooth or as good the times he did shoot it. We didn't really see him put it on the floor in many DHOs even or anything like that, again, as a short roll passer. So again, it's preseason. I'm not trying to overreact, but... Do you think some of his development was maybe hindered because of the ankle injury? Did For we sure. just did we just not Okay, so you would agree yeah. that we haven't seen that stuff. Yeah, I think I think he was still knocking off rust as the preseason went on. I think he looked really good in the final preseason game. But prior to that prior to that you could tell us was a guy that hadn't played basketball for almost 2 months. Um 
just didn't look like himself. He looked even winded at times, but that final preseason game, he really looked like himself. And I think he probably, I mean, he had an ankle injury, so I'm sure he probably wasn't able to shoot a lot of threes during that time. Um, and yeah, you just, I think it was a comfort thing and just getting back into the, back into the rhythm for him. Yeah, I agree. And that's what, you know, he showed so much progression and development in season last year, which I don't know how common that is. Like last year was the first season I followed just one specific team for a whole season. But like it doesn't, it seems like that'd be hard to do in an NBA whenever you're playing every single night, you know, also developing the jump shot on top of all of that. So I think we'll we'll see that from him. Um, but so as we mentioned and alluded to earlier, you know, we kind of had the curveball. I'm going to have to let James go now. I had a question about him being a beat writer some really fun questions I wanted to ask. No, you, you can Hopefully ask I, it. I got, a, I got five more should, minutes. Five more minutes? Okay, let's get into it. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. So, you know, as a beat writer, I, I'm kind of interested with this. Do you notice guys following what you write and does that ever affect your interactions with them? Like, I don't know if you've ever wrote like a quote unquote negative type article or portrayal of a player in, in some ways yeah. or calling. But did you notice it then affecting your interaction or have have you written an article and then the guy references it the next time you talk to them? Um, so I'm still figuring it out with this group just because obviously with the COVID year, we didn't get to know them well last season, like at all. Um so we're still learning about guys and I'm not one of those, like I'm not, a, I don't, none of my stuff is bashing guys. Like if it's any negative, it's just pointing out, like, for example, I'll use Josh Jackson. as uh, I asked him about his decision-making after the final preseason game and just the maturity and him talking about how he was telling Caden Killian, it's not a race and you, you just always get better. And I was like, is that the decision-making um, kind of that for you like you're not a finished product this part of your game is something you can add and 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 make you a better player and he was like oh yeah definitely he's like i've heard the noise i've heard the x y and z i've heard people say i can't do this and do that and i've i'm I've, to, to me i don't know if that was at me i've definitely tweeted um like about his turnovers and stuff like that but i also as you know i wrote a story about how well his decision making's been so if if you're struggling at a certain aspect, I'm going to point it out. And if you're doing good, I'm going to make sure to show that you improved. That's just how this job goes. Uh, but he wasn't upset or anything. I, I, I just, he obviously has acknowledged what people say about him. Uh, the only other one that comes to mind is Blake Griffin was not happy with me. Um, so it was his, whatever year it was that they went back to LA and he didn't play because he was injured. Um, I don't think that was the year he got bought out. No, because it was no, no, no. We were traveling then, so it was the year before last. Um, he, you could just tell he. I had wrote a story about the worst case scenario had happened, like the, the worst case scenario has played out for the Pistons in the Blake Griffin trade, where he. Clearly, I mean, he was hurt all just two years ago. He was hurt. He didn't start the season until 10 games in. He was clearly hurt when he came back. Um, and that was everybody's kind of worry when they traded for him. I was like, oh, this is a guy that's always injured. And after coming off this great year where he gave his leg to the organization and the fans, he came back and clearly wasn't himself. And, yeah, I wrote a story about literally how the worst case scenario has played out for Detroit. And I could just tell he wasn't as friendly – um, when we were in LA, like I walked past him, I said, what's up? And he wasn't very, you could just tell he was not, <laughs> you could tell he read it and wasn't very happy and it was fine. Like he didn't call it bullshit or anything like that. Like there's nothing he could say. I could under, I understand why he probably it upset him. Like I get it. No question. Um, but I, I, I could just tell that irritated him a little bit. Just, he just wasn't as friendly with me as he usually was. So that would be the that would be the biggest one where you really felt like someone just wasn't as friendly after something you had wrote. Yeah, for sure. That, like it was the most notable. Like I I could sense that he had seen what I read I had wrote and the Josh one. Like I'm not sure he was referencing me. He could have been referencing anybody because people do. I mean, a lot of people talk about his decision making. Uh, but Blake, it was clear that he was not as uh, that I something had bothered him. Because, yeah, he's usually, he was usually pretty fr- – he would usually at least say what up or something. He kind of gave me a look. 
<laughs> and it was fine. I, I didn't bother did, me. Like we we talked after that. Like I was gonna say, did he yeah, did yeah. he come around eventually? Like maybe yeah, it was he just did. like he, he had just read it, not just read it, but had read it and was you know we know how that is. Even if it's the truth, sometimes it kind of bothers us as us as humans. Yeah, that the story came hard- out. We were in L.A. The game was a day away. He was back in L.A. He was injured. He couldn't play. He knew he couldn't play. Um, yeah, I understand. I, under- I didn't take it personal or anything. Um, and then yeah, as time went on. It was far more normal. Yeah. So one last question. So, and you kind of brought this up that obviously that these guys do read these things. What about the national perception? So like, you know, Isaiah, like has Isaiah Stewart ever mentioned that, you know, the national coverage saying that he was a reach Jeremy Grant, is there any, do you see any difference with him that, you know, he was overpaid, but then the national media took no and he's been improved. Like, do those guys ever mention those things or even an article locally that you've written or Rod or Amari or anybody else? Um, do, do, do you think those things, do you think all of the players are noticing those things? I wouldn't say all, I would say some are more in tune to what's right, what, what we write than others. Like just some guys just naturally, whether it's just their way of, like, I don't want to read good or bad about me during the season. I don't want it to affect my mood. I think some guys read a lot. I think some guys don't read at all. I think some guys just depends on what's written about them. Um, the only, in terms of national, Isaiah comes to mind because I remember asking him about his pick and roll defense and how impressed I was his rookie year. And I was like, is that something that you like that you wanted to show you could do immediately? He's like, yeah. He's like, I had. He's like, I read all this stuff coming into the coming into the draft about how I couldn't guard and and I couldn't guard switch. I couldn't do this. I couldn't do that. Um, He's like, and I kept that with me. So, like, I know he was a guy that that sees all the stuff on him or most of the stuff on him. Um, Is it the younger guys? Do you think the younger guy like because, you know, you know, the older guys, I mean, they grew up with social media, but. So I would be about the same age as most of the a little older, but I didn't grow up with social media. So some of the older guys, it may not just have been ingrained in them. Do you think the younger guys, is there a difference between the ages or not? Maybe yeah, as noticeable? I don't know. I think it's more so the makeup of this team. Like we don't really write about Corey, Rodney and Kelly all sure. that much anyway. Um, but I know that like, like I said, Blake read a lot, um, and he's uh, he's what thirty two, thirty three. Well, yeah, I, um, I played against him in college, so yeah, he's he. I think he's oh, yeah, the that's same right. age. You told me about yeah, that. I think, uh, I think he's just a couple yeah, years younger than me. So yeah, I think he's in his early thirties. So like, I think it just depends on the person, man. Like Corey Joseph's my age; he's twenty nine. I think Corey's twenty nine. Um, so like, I'm with you. Like, I didn't grow up with social media until like. Uh, either like eighth grade or I don't know when MySpace was out. I think maybe <laughs> eighth grade. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> like that was, I went through a good like 10, 12 years without social media. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think it just depends on the person. I think there's nobody on this team that's it's super old. So like, I think they're all, they all probably check it out. And if they don't, that's just like, they're just not social media guys. Um, yeah, that's a good question. I know Isaiah has, He's mentioned reading stuff about what people thought about him coming into the draft. No, I've asked Sadiq about people labeling him as a 3 and D guy, but he kind of just talks about just wanting to just be a complete player anyway. He doesn't like acknowledge that people have said that. Killian kind of just recognizes like what he's struggling at, and he's not afraid to say it. Um, so, Did you see the article about Killian? I don't even know. Was it SI? Um that called him like an arrogant player and like what have you i missed this yeah, no yeah, i think it was si so if, if it's not i apologize to si but and to me like he seems very soft-spoken you know like the opposite of that yeah like i couldn't even an arrogant player like he doesn't shoot or he, know, yeah, right? he doesn't talk shit either like i don't know that's a that's an odd take i'd have to Maybe read they, that and, Maybe they just called him arrogant. You know, maybe they were saying like in the locker room and stuff. Which I, I mean, I know guys I would find can be that different. Hard to believe Th- that that's me. I know guys can be different on the court and off the court. I understand that, but I, I'm almost positive arrogant was the word that you like. It was definitely a couple things like that doesn't sound like Killian Hayes at all. Yeah, that would. Uh, in my interactions with Killian, um, I would never have used the word arrogant 
um, to so describe it, him. Yeah, it was it was SI anonymous scout takes previewing all thirty teams. So it was during the it was the, the Pistons, um, it was the Pistons like uh, preview or so, whatever. So yeah, what was the, what did they say? Okay, what was the he quote? said? I I don't see Hayes being a starter in the league. He's soft. He can't shoot. He's slow, and he's arrogant. Uh, I mean you. It, that, I don't see I don't see soft either. Like to me on defense, he like gets after you. Like maybe offensively, people say he's soft because he doesn't take contact well. Like I understand that. I think that's just like yeah, the, I don't a think point. I don't know if soft's the I don't like calling guys soft. I don't know if that's yeah. what I'd use. But there's definitely a uh, he's more when he's initiate when he's on defense, he's definitely willing to get more physical. And yes, it would be fair to say that he does fade away more when attacking the rim. But in terms of like arrogance. I mean, maybe I don't know him well enough. Like, maybe he was arrogant. Now, I wonder if this scout, or it was scouts or GMs. So it said, the article is just titled, Anonymous Scout Takes, Previewing All 30 NBA Teams. It's from Chris Mannix. So I don't know if this is one. I can't imagine it's one scout on, I, I don't know. Yeah, my, my uh, thing oh, with scouts that. scouts around the league. Scouts around the league. My Yeah, my thing with that. And what could be the case is maybe that's a scout who uh, was monitoring Killian when he was overseas. And maybe at that stage in his career, maybe there was an arrogance because he was this 18-year-old playing with pros. Like Maybe that's what he's referring to, and he hasn't really been around Killian since then. Uh, but in my experience, since Killian's got to Detroit, that has I, arrogance isn't the word I'd use. So I would imagine if the scout is confident in using the word arrogant. Maybe that came from his time playing in Germany or France uh, professionally as, as a teenager and being kind of like the focal point of, of those teams. Yeah, I mean, that, that, the, the soft thing I can understand in terms of why maybe people's perception would be of that. Like if you watch every game, again, offensively you can kind of see it, but if you really watch him defensively, I don't see how you can call him soft. I guess I understand where why maybe somebody would have that perception, but the arrogant thing was like, I can't think yeah, of that, many guys on the team that I would be would think of arrogant as one of the four or five words to describe them. No, I agree. Um, yeah, I, if I had to guess, that scout maybe a few years ago talked to some teammates in, in previous, like I said, over in Europe, and maybe they had things to say. I, I can't imagine that arrogance came out of Detroit. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, one that was awesome, and thank you so much for because I know we went over there a little bit. I no, feel like we fine. could we could do a whole episode on that because I wanted to ask you about the Corey Joseph. I haven't got to read the article yet, but it sounds like you had a blast, and Corey Joseph is a a great interview from some of the stories. So, again, if I can have you back on, I'd love to ask you about that one. Of course, one. man. Yeah, no, we'll uh, we'll um, we, let's do it again whenever you want. You know, I'm I'm around, so just let me know and we'll get together. I apologize for dropping that. I gotta go to practice a little earlier than anticipated they they surprised us so uh, i apologize for not letting you know sooner but uh, yeah it's something that just popped up shortly before we got on and you know this was fun and i appreciate you having me on and hopefully i didn't mess up your your heater streak no no you're gonna keep it going i i have no doubt this was great stuff i really appreciate it thank you again um i don't know if you want to plug everybody knows who you are james you're, you're the man but you know if you want to drop oh, your, your 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 twitter your podcast you the, the bunning cardigan any of that stuff take a you know go ahead and do that real quick yeah i'm at twitter jl edwards i i i um i do the podcast nicholas hankel hankel the bun and cardigan show just it's a detroit pistons podcast you can get it on google um spotify and obviously apple um yeah i got a story out now where i predicted the depth chart and rotation i did a story er, er, uh, last week on inside kate cunningham's training to become the face of the pistons where i talked to his brother and his cousin who have trained him his whole life um and i did a i quizzed Corey joseph on his on his career while having him tell stories um while having him tell stories along the way so uh, for example I asked him how many number one picks he's played with obviously one of them is Tim Duncan and then I had him tell me a Tim Duncan story and that was great uh, not to spoil it but Tim Duncan put put himself himself put rims on Corey Joseph's car so there's good stories in there it's fun to go down memory lane and see how much random stuff guys remember about their career so yeah check that out and yeah the athletic Detroit 
Uh, you can sub for 50% off right now. Just go to my, my Twitter profile, find a story, click on it, and you can subscribe right through there. So appreciate you having me on, man. This podcast is great. This was a blast. And uh, yeah, anytime you need me, I'm around. Awesome. Thank you so much, James. Appreciate you. Thank you. So again, I want to thank James for coming on, especially under the circumstances. Um, He literally found out right before we were supposed to start recording that the Pistons had moved up practice, and he actually stayed on about an extra 10 or 15 minutes longer than what he was even really going to. So, you know, James Edwards III from The Athletic, Rod Beard from the Detroit News, Omari Sankofa from the Detroit Free Press, those beat writers, each one of them, when I've had them on the podcast, have gone out of their way to make the podcast episode really good and work. Rod Beard completely re-recorded with me because of a technical issue. Omari came over and recorded with me in person in Vegas. Like I can't say enough about those guys and I thank them so much. The, you know, the Pistons have the best beat writers in the NBA. But right now, I don't want to cheat the around the NBA segment. So Wes doesn't know this or didn't know this until about 15 minutes ago, but I'm going to bring Wes on. I talked about him earlier being a part of Motor City Hoops and what he's doing to help me out. And he's going to come on and I want to do the around the NBA segment with him, give him a chance to talk some NBA stuff. Stuff. So Wes, uh, you know, we're half, you know, over halfway through the episode, about three quarters of the way, but thanks for joining the podcast and the episode and talking some NBA with me. Yeah, my pleasure. So what we're going to start off with is what team outside of Detroit are we most excited to watch? So obviously we're all pumped about the Pistons and the season and Cade Cunningham. We all the stuff that James and I just got to talk about. But Wes, I'm going to let you start off here. Guys, he didn't get as much time to prepare, but I, I think he'll have an answer for us. He does help me prep the question. So he probably has a little bit of an idea. What team are you most excited to watch and kind of follow this NBA season? Yeah, it is the Dallas Mavericks for me. I am a uh, huge Luka Doncic fan. I uh, just I love watching him. Love the way he plays. Um, so I can I can flip on a Mavs game and be just as entertained as you know, probably a Pistons game in the past few years. So it would be the the Mavs for me. Do you think what kind of year do you think Luka's going to have? And were you I don't know how like closely you follow the entire organization. Were you happy with what they did this offseason? Do you think he has the guys around him? I see some tweets about Christoph Porzingis and, you know, maybe he's been over criticized supposedly by some of the metrics. He had a really good season last year. Obviously, I'm a guy that's criticized him. Are you okay with the roster? Do you think they can be successful with who they have? I think they could be uh, successful to a, a point this year. I think there's there's definitely a ceiling on, on what they can be. Uh, Luca is just so much better than anyone else on the team. There's not really. I mean, Chris Depps is a, he's a good player, but I think he's overqualified as um, the second best player on a you know contending team. So um, yeah, I think they could be a competitive team this year and maybe get to the the second round. Again, I think they did last year, right? Or were they out the first year, first round? Well, anyway, I can't remember, but either way, um, I, I think they got that that type of ceiling this year, that type of competitive uh, season. But unless they can make a swing for someone to really raise that, I, I don't know how far they can go. So I think the the Lakers, Nets, and Sixers situations are one we've talked about multiple times on the podcast, and I think will be fascinating to watch and see how they play out. I'm not gonna we're not gonna get into any of those. Um, as I was, yeah, the Mavericks lost in the first round, seven game series to the Clippers. So um, that's right, they gave up yeah. the lead two years in a yeah. row. Yeah. So, um, but. Uh, I, I, I'm going to watch those, you know, Ben Simmons and the Sixers, Kyrie and the Nets, and then the Lakers and all that. But if I'm being completely honest, people that listen to the podcast know this is how I feel. But Steph Curry is one of the most entertaining players to watch in the entire NBA. I think they had a couple draft picks that you could see help them out. You know, James Wiseman and Clay Thompson coming back from injury. That's just a, a team that I'm really intrigued by that I'll definitely keep an eye on in the West and the entire NBA. Now, kind of staying with what we're watching for, what team do you think, let's start with, that will surprise or exceed your expectations? What team do you think maybe you could see being better than what the narrative is or even maybe your own expectations for them? I think a lot of people are rightfully very uh, negative on the Blazers offseason, but they have Damian Lillard, um, and they also added Larry Nance, who I think was a sneaky good pickup. Uh, I think they could be a lot more competitive than uh, a lot of people are giving them credit for this season. 
So I, it will be interesting with what they do. Um, Damian Lillard's obviously bit, you know, there was a lot of talk. I even said this, I think, Wes, of maybe them just needing to kind of blow it up. You know, like, is this going to work with Dame and CJ? So it'll be interesting to see. Could you see them doing that if by the all-star break it doesn't go the way you're thinking it'll go? I think if it doesn't go the way it could, that Dame might want out. Um, I mean, it, it did kind of sound like there was some thought he was putting to that this offseason, uh, but ultimately didn't decide he wanted to stay. And uh, in the past, the Blazers have been very uh, hesitant to do, I mean, even to move CJ, right? So, um, I mean, if things don't go perfectly and they're not competitive through the first half of the year, I could definitely see their hand being uh, forced. I agree. I think the team for me, and this is my own expectations, is probably the Miami Heat. They're probably a team that I'm that's going to be better than what I'm giving them credit for. I'm not super high on them. I'm not super high on the moves they made. But my guess is, especially in the regular season, they're going to be a lot better than what I'm thinking they're going to be. So what about a team that maybe will disappoint or take a step back? And I think we may go in the same direction. I saw that you put in some notes here um, in the little bit of time you had to prepare. So uh, we're going to go different teams, but kind of the same thought process. So a team that maybe would disappoint or take a step back. Uh, It's... For me, I think it's the Atlanta Hawks. I think they definitely overachieved uh, last year in the playoffs. And they had, I mean, one heck of a run to get all the way to the conference finals. And obviously, you know, you can hope they build on that. But uh, I think they, they might have been a little underqualified to get as far as they did. And they didn't do too much to really um, improve improve personnel wise they made some minor things but no big changes to really raise the the ceiling they might have so i think they could wind up being a little disappointing if you're rating them on you know eastern conference finals again yeah so the team i put was the new york knicks another team that like i like maybe overachieved last season and you know everybody said it the east is better there i think especially when you get away from i mean i think the bucks are overwhelming the number one team right now especially with everything going on with Kyrie and ben simmons but then you get so you almost put those two teams back in the mix with a bunch of teams that I feel like are very similar. So some teams are obviously going to rise to the two, three, four seed. Some teams are going to fall lower than that. And so I think the Knicks ended up as you know a four seed last year. And I could see them not ending up with a home playoff game or sorry, a home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. I could see them in a bottom half. I don't know if they fall all the way to like the play-in tournament, but I could see that maybe they overachieved. Now, with that said, Julius Randle looked really, really good in the preseason, so maybe I'm going to be completely off here. No, I I think I actually agree with you, and especially with uh, Tom Thibodeau, he's got a little bit of a history of burning guys out, and I know a lot of those stars last year, R.J. Barrett and uh, Julius Randle, did play some pretty heavy minutes. So, I mean, it's totally possible they could get pretty tired by the end of just the second year of Dibs. So now we want to talk about some surprise contenders. Who's a team that... I'm not saying we're like, oh, they're going to win the NBA championship, but you know, could make a run at a conference finals or sneak their way into the NBA championship. And you know, so obviously the Lakers can't be an answer here. The Bucks can't be an answer. I don't even really know that we can say the Nets, even without Kyrie. Um, Sixers would kind of maybe. I think if you said they're a contender right now for a championship, I don't think that would surprise people. Maybe it would. I don't know. Um, but who is somebody maybe not getting talked enough about as a contender to win an NBA championship or make a finals? So I think it could be Utah, even though they ha- they keep having really, really great regular seasons uh, and being very competitive in the playoffs and then just getting knocked out by um, higher star power teams. But, I mean, they, they keep being really good all throughout the year, right? I mean, this is three, four years in a row they've been, they've been very successful in the regular season. And I just kind of think maybe... Uh, it, it could click for them or things could break right with some injuries to other teams and you know they, they get all the way uh, like Toronto did a while, a while ago I mean they probably don't win that championship without uh, the Warriors crumbling under injuries so you know maybe something similar could happen with Utah not that I'm wishing for injuries to guys but it's always possible 
Yeah, so I mean, that's the thing. That's kind of would be like the Bucks narrative, right? The Bucks had really good regular seasons, postseason failures, and then finally got over the hump this last season. And you know, obviously there were some things along the way. Everybody talks about Kevin Durant's toe on the three point line and and those different things. But you know, usually when you win a championship, some things have to go your way. So is it finally the year for the Jazz? I think in the West, there's a lot of teams. You know, I don't know. Again, depending on what people think would be a surprise like is there enough talk about the Phoenix Suns you know or what do you know do people think last year was just because the Lakers were hurt what about the Denver Nuggets is that a team we should be talking more about you know a team that looked like maybe the best team in the Western Conference until the injury to Jamal Murray and obviously how healthy is he going to be coming back so I think you know we just brought up three teams and those teams were all one two three in the west last year maybe everybody outside is giving them more credit than what I thought but it just still seems like the conversation always goes back to the Lakers yeah I agree and I think you're right that all three of those teams could really um, I mean be just as successful as they were last year even given uh, the Lakers being more healthy is there a team in the east like if I told you the Bucks? The Nets, the Sixers don't make it out. They don't. I'm telling you right now, they don't make it out. You know, who would, and I say it's one of the other teams in the East. What would be the team, the first team that kind of pops into your head that like you would think, okay, they made a run? Man, I'm going to go back on exactly what I said earlier, but I think it might be the Hawks. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, so, you, but, okay, in your defense, Wes. I think that could be the season for the Hawks, right? Like it's going to go one way or the other. So I think that's kind of what you're yeah. saying is, you know, they ended up in the five seat, the five spot last year, um, made a nice run in the playoffs. So is it going to, are they going to take a whole nother, is Trey Young going to take another step? It's almost like they're not going to stay status quo. They're either last year was kind of, I don't want to say a fluke, but they overachieved and they're going to take step backs and end up in the play-in game or everything that we saw from them last year was true. And we're going to see them take that next step into the upper echelon of the Eastern conference. Yeah, exactly. That's that's kind of where I'm at with them too. It's either, like you said, last year was either a, f- a fluke or it's, you know, real, and they're going to build on it because they're so young. So one last one here, and that's Dark Horse MVP candidate. So outside of your normal guys, the Joel Embiid's, the Giannis's, Luca, LeBron, who's somebody you could see taking a step forward this season and maybe supplant their name in an MVP discussion this regular season? Yeah, and again, I'm going to go back to the Atlanta Hawks because apparently they've been on my mind. But uh, Trey Young could, if the Hawks are really, really good again and they take that step, it's going to be because Trey Young took even another step forward. And in that case, he'd probably be in the MVP conversation. Yeah, I agree. I, You know, the team I keep going to kind of like for you is the Phoenix Suns. So I'm interested to see if I end up being wrong on this and if they actually end up taking a step back and not a step forward. But I'm real. I really like Devin Booker. I really like his game. I kind of wonder, you know, I know they ended up losing, but I'm interested to see kind of what motivation he came back from last season, how his game will grow and kind of how he'll approach this regular season. You know, a young guy, another year older now. And so he's a guy I think you could see because I, you know, assuming they have a really good regular season. You know, last year it was hard. Chris Paul was taking a lot of, like, it's almost like they were splitting votes if there were any votes. But I, I could kind of see Devin Booker taking this as his team this year and running with it. And so I wouldn't be shocked if you told me the Bucks end up as the number one seed in the West, or sorry, the Bucks, the Suns end up as the number one team in the West, and Devin Booker emerges as the absolute alpha on that team and an MVP candidate. Yeah, no, I would absolutely agree with that. I mean, he's a young guy and he got all the way to the final stage, right? I mean, he was at the uh, the edge of winning it all and obviously lost. I mean, that could be a huge motivator for someone like him to take another big step just in the offseason and really assert himself this year. Absolutely. So the nice thing is, by the time this episode comes out, we'd be either a day away, depending on when you're listening to it, a day away, the day of opening uh, night in the NBA. Our Pistons open up on the 20th, so we'd be really close to that. So it's just exciting time for the NBA. The regular season is upon us. Going to get 82 games of this and all sorts of great content to talk about throughout the next few months. I want to thank what you know. List. 
I want to thank you guys, the listeners, one, for listening and then staying with us through this episode. Again, we kind of just, out of nowhere, we hopped on. James had just got the news. And so hopefully the way we pivoted with this worked out and it was good to listen to still. I want to thank Wes for being able to step up and, and finish off the episode going around the NBA with me. So Wes, again, give everybody a chance to follow you on Twitter and, and thank you for stepping into uh, the Around the NBA segment there on short notice. Yeah, no problem. It was a lot of fun. Uh, on Twitter, it's the Real West D3, and I've got really nothing else to plug, so uh, keep listening to the podcast. It's, it's great. And again, Wes is going to be helping me out. He does some of the pre-show, getting the questions and topics organized, and then listening to the episode and doing some of the post-show editing and promotion and stuff like that. I know James isn't with us at this point, but I want to thank him again for coming on again him going out of his way to still come on and record with me meant so much and I appreciated greatly not just that but also the fact that he stayed on even a little longer than what he had anticipated I also want to take this chance at the end of the episode to thank everyone over at Detroit Bad Boys of SB Nation Sean Corp Laz Jackson especially for reaching out to me giving a platform to do my content creation especially those video breakdowns if you have not already please make sure you go and check out all the Pistons player previews and be on the lookout all season long as I'll be doing video breakdowns on players sets actions games everything else that comes our way during the year I have some preseason roundup ones dropping the beginning of this week I also want to thank them for allowing me to promote the podcast on their website helping it grow make sure you return for the next episode of motor city hoops i'll be joined by matt isa from rise network and creator of the quest for the best mini series that will be fully released by the time we have him on matt matt is also a native of michigan so he'll bring some great insights on the first week of regular season action from the pistons and also another reminder our first clubhouse event is on tuesday the 19th 7 excuse me 8 p.m eastern so if you've not downloaded the app and join the club make sure you go and do that get on that right away have a great day and we'll talk to you soon thank you for listening to this episode of the motor city hoops podcast please give us a rating drop a review and subscribe for more content including video breakdowns make sure you follow us at motor city hoops on twitter i hope you join us next episode until then be safe and be well